0: We are live here on, uh, on Colin. Uh, we, I'm so excited to have this episode today with my friend Jeff Timmer. Uh, welcome to the show on democracy. I'm your host, Fred Wellman. We'll let people gather for a minute. I see some friends are joining us that have joined us before. It's great to see friendly faces once more. Uh, if not, let's go ahead and, uh, we'll play a little music while everybody gathers and then we'll get right to talking some really important stuff happening in our country today. So glad to be on the air with you guys today. It's a happy Tuesday episode of On Democracy. I'm your host, Fred Wellman. Coming to you live from the beautiful St. Louis, Missouri suburb on a sunny spring day. Well, it's actually cloudy. Whatever. Uh, I am especially excited to have as my guest, my friend Jeff Timmer from the cooler reaches of Michigan. Jeff will be joining us shortly, and we'll get our conversation going in a minute. You know, as always, as an admin note, we got a lot of people who've been on calling before. If I won't go too long. You know, it's a pretty straightforward app. you want to message us, go ahead and make a comment during the show. You can do that. Hit an emoji down there. I love the emojis. Always make me feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, if you want to ask a question later, I'm not sure if we'll get to questions or not. Jeff's got a hard stop. He's got things to do up in Michigan, so we have a hard stop in an hour. But if we have time, we'll try to take some questions. Uh, if not, we'll get you next time. I'll be doing another episode probably Friday where I'll take everybody's questions so we can have one of those conversations. If you do take your call, you know, unmute yourself and your microphone at the bottom there, and man, we'll just get right to it. So, you know, what do we got this afternoon? You know, I uh, I got to know Jeff Timmer when I joined the Lincoln Project. He was already one of our key strategists and advisors on our political team. He really was key in helping shape our mission, dealing with Donald Trump and supporting our key congressional races. Uh, Timmer, as everybody calls him, Timmer. I will have to talk about that, Jeff, when we get you on air. <laughs> Timmer is a co-founder of Republicans' Independence for Biden. He's a senior advisor to the Lincoln Project, political and public affairs consultant. He's advised hundreds of candidates. Trade associates, ballot initiatives, and major corporations. He's been doing it a hell of a lot longer than I have. Jeff's a writer, a pundit, a redistricting expert, and was the executive. Now an independent. As I mentioned, I've had the good fortune to get to know a partner with Timber in our 2020 campaign efforts, and we still collaborate to this day. I'm excited to have Jeff on the show. She head on what is clearly becoming a wild campaign season. And of course, especially this week, the upcoming January 6th hearing. So, uh I think you know what, Jeff, I think I think we're gonna to talk today about uh it's a perfect time to talk about the upper Midwest a bit. I called this episode Northern Highlights. I thought that was pretty clever myself. Uh <laughs> been some crazy events surrounding I mean you've had some crazy events around the censorship for candidates, qualify the elections up there in Michigan, upending races. We have a word, uh we've also gotten word that a judge was killed by a militia member in uh Wisconsin in his home and and he had a list including Governor Whitmer there, and that's that opens up a whole can of worms. And, of course, we just got more details about Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor, Democratic Senate nominee, John Fetterman's health crisis, that I think is going to make that race interesting. Uh, and then if we had time, hopefully we could talk a little bit about the upcoming January 6th hearings and latest news there. I mean, just a ton of things happening around our democracy. Glad to has, have someone on the show who knows this stuff better than I do, and that's Jeff. So, Jeff, man, how are you? Good to have you on the show.
1: Fred, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm so glad to see... That you are doing this podcast, uh, you know, for the longest time, I've loved your voice, even before we knew each other. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we I think we got to know each other before Lincoln Project yep. just through Twitter. Yep. Um, I, I loved your voice. I, I love the way that uh, that you can um, you just kind of boil things down in this this threat uh, that democracy is under in this fight for democracy, and and uh, I'm, I'm just so glad to see that that you're sharing your voice uh, in this platform as well, because yeah. I think it's it's, it's it's great so uh, nice I'm, I'm happy to be here and and you know we, you're right there's so much to talk about plus when the two of us get together yeah. we can get yapping for a while and yeah. you know, things get weird I start. Well, yeah out,
0: we had that history uh, for those who don't know we hung out in Park City Utah during the election and uh, it was it was high altitude and that liquor it was a quite a fun adventure <laughs> to say uh, so you know you know the March to the fall election continues this week Jeff right so we have got primaries in California New Jersey New Mexico South Dakota. Yeah. Montana, Mississippi, Iowa—all today they're going to the polls, and then of course we fi- finally figured out the winner of the Pennsylvania Republican nomination. So we'll talk about all that. So, but let's talk about it right up top. I really do want to talk about this. Uh, the reason I called you originally was that you know people kind of miss this story. There's so much craziness going on. The, the, I'm really curious to talk about these petition signature uh, debacles that are occurring up in Michigan because we had the candidates. I'll, I'll read this. Uh, and, and they've had a couple of petitions where. You now, the fake signatures are appearing on these ballot petitions, and the latest version of ballot initiative to fight voter fraud, which is incredibly ironic, had 20,000 fake signatures on it. And this is just days that the state's Bureau of Elections and Board of Canvassers disqualified five of the 10 Republicans running for governor, including frontrunners James Craig and Perry Johnson, after discovering thousands of signatures of petitions they circulated to qualify for the ballot were fraudulent. Bureau of Elections identified 36 petition circulators who submitted at least 68,000 Fraudulent signatures in the gubernatorial primary, as well as nine other contests. So it's it's crazy, man. What's going on up there with all this?
1: Well, it 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 kind of when you look at the face of it, and if you're watching from the outside, it appears that there's just a lot of incompetence, right? Right. You've got all the, uh, but what it it really is is happening here is massive amount of criminal election fraud. There uh, the, the this, it's not just that these candidates uh, turned in fraudulent signatures, fake signatures, and didn't make the ballot. The uh, they've been referred to the attorney general's office for prosecution. Uh, these circulate. The, the, initially, the circulators, but the the investigation could could yield uh, connection with people inside the campaign. You know these the signatures weren't gathered independent of the campaigns. These people right. were part of the campaigns, even if they're a separate company who's hired as a vendor. And right. the, the investigation is going to show whether or not these anybody in these campaigns, right up to the candidates who are responsible for the legitimacy, Man, right. the, wrong, the authenticity right? of these, are are, are culpable and legally, legally culpable. But there's there's just a massive amount of election fraud that has been <clears throat> identified here with the petitions with uh michigan as a, a petition and referendum state an initiative and in referendum right. state and there's there's several issue uh ballot issues that are uh gathering signatures to get onto the ballot massive fraud being exposed there uh just uh, on late on friday the uh two uh, um uh Organizations, two committees that are tied to the Republican Senate Majority Leader in Lansing, were referred to the Attorney General for criminal investigation due wow. to uh, the, the the way they've raised money, trying to hide donors and circumvent uh, transparency laws. Uh, there, uh, the, the Speaker, the former Speaker of the Michigan House, who uh, uh, he was, he's under investigation for public corruption, for misuse of public money, for illegal activities surrounding his PACs and campaign money, and for sexually assaulting his sister-in-law when she was a minor. So, I mean, Hi. we're talking we're oh. talking rape. I mean, we, we, so, we've got financial crimes, election fraud, we've got sex scandals. Another Republican state senator just pled guilty to sexual assault, and they sit with him every day. They're not even forcing him to resign. They're not huh. expelling him from the office. Right. It's... it's It's not just Trump lunacy. It's the fact that they think they've been in power for so long that they think that the the laws, the rules that everybody else would have to live by don't apply to them is what it really comes down to.
0: Right now, how do you think? I mean, how is it being taken by voters? I mean, obviously they have been in power. The, the GOPs held held the how long have they held the House and the Senate there? It's quite a while. Well, right?
1: the the House for most of the last three decades. The Senate for four decades since the na- people think of Michigan is is largely over time been a, a Democratic state, uh, but it, it become a purple state certainly in the presidential race. Um, but the, the Republicans have controlled the legislature in Lansing. Almost uninterrupted for decades, uh, for wow. generations. Wow. And that has led to this kind of inbred uh, gene pool of, yeah. of political officials who just inherit the, the and, and then kind of multiply or exponentially increase the the ineptitude or corruption or uh, pushing. Trying to take these gray areas, maybe you know, stick their toe over the line into the black, and and try to make them—they've uh, just kind of become norm where people have been bending the the laws and the rules for so long that it's become part of their DNA. Right. But and, when and you, and your question is. about voters—I just don't know uh, right now that, given the hypercharged partisan atmosphere, that anything kind of breaks through that partisan filter the prism that people tend to look at things right. uh, I think you could nominate Charles Manson as a Republican in Michigan today and they're gonna start with 40 percent on a on a, <laughs> on a poll <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got on name time. recognition right yes yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You know, it, if if they if they if the Michigan Republicans could somehow nominate Fred Wellman, who may or may not have ever set foot in Michigan, I don't know, right. and put you on the ballot this fall, you're going to get forty percent. I would get 40%. Wow. Well, I might not because they really hate me. Not but uh, a, a lot of just about. Uh, you know, if you if they nominated a ham sandwich, they would get forty percent of the vote. That's hmm. how it doesn't matter if. If they're uh, criminal, it doesn't matter if they're under investigation, it doesn't matter if they're corrupt, if they're incompetent, if they're clowns, it just doesn't matter, and that's how how the hyper-partisans look at it. Now, that's not going to be where the election is decided uh right. i don't it's it's not just going to be the republican base turns out and somehow they magically win there's the those uh center right voters who have been uh historically voting republican but they're looking at this and thinking this is just a bunch of friggin lunacy right. uh it's it's dangerous it's corrupt it's it's not just incompetent it's dangerous it's a threat to democracy uh, whatever the, the, you can get into all these issues guns abortion, criminalizing abortion uh, so many people people don't want their their daughters uh you know put in jail their right. wives their sisters their mothers put in jail right. uh, but the Republicans just are so out of step with where the majority of people are um, but they're they're in this echo chamber and they're believing their own bullshit. Uh, and they just keep doubling down on the, the the crazy, the criminality, the extreme, really radicalized uh, positions when it comes to so many policy positions. But not even that, but just the, the conduct, uh, the, the, their, their public conduct in office right. is, goes far beyond policy. It's just the fact that they think the laws don't apply to them.
0: Well one of the things we talk about a lot in in my campaigns I'm working now too and, and in other states is is that is that you know, we've got to a point where a lot of those who represent us at the state and, and local and even na- especially a national level, it's, it's just performative jackassery, right? <laughs> That's my, t- my favorite term, you know, a performative bullshit, right? Yep. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, it's sort of Margie Tara Green and who's, you know, they're the, the running podcasts and stuff. And, and, and I'm feeling, and, and as we campaign in a lot of these campaigns, we're talking to folks who are just kind of sick of it. That, that many people don't even know what they should even expect from their delegates or their state representatives or Congress representatives anymore. And so they're, we're doing it. We're actually doing a concerted effort. Like, well, you, this is what you should expect. You, you should expect representation. You expect them to do things like constituent services. Is, is there is there any kind of a hope or people are going to start waking up soon uh, in, to a, to this fact that they're not being served by the representatives?
1: Well, it, I don't. I, the answer is I hope so, but right. I don't. I don't know the answer. It's hard to be an optimist, right? Yeah, right. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm convinced more, more people care about who the mass Singer is than who wins the next election for governor right. or Congress. They they have no idea, you know, the difference between a state legislature and the federal Congress. They People don't know that, and they don't care. Americans aren't. Hyper political people, and one of the, but they are exhausted by the hyper political twenty four seven in your face of these last you know five six years uh, since Donald Trump came down the Jethro Bodine golden escalator, (laughs) Uh, and it's just the, the, the the danger that we face is apathy. That's what the 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 illiberal forces, the anti democratic with a small D forces that have taken over the republican party are counting on is is apathy from the majority they are a minority the people who have the people whether it's who oppose mask mandates uh, Mm -hmm. the anti-vaxxers the people who think the election was stolen they're loud they're right. uh, the, the the people who would trade democracy for two dollar gas, right? right? They're loud, they're vocal, uh, they seem much more. Uh, you know, they're they're the you hear a big bark coming from behind the fence. You look around the fence, and it's a little dog. But they're counting on the rest of us. There are more of us than there are of them. But right. they're counting on us to get tired to think that our vote doesn't matter to think our it's we're, we're beyond hope we we're, they're going to win anyway why why right. bother that's what they're counting on and that's what we can't let happen they're they're crazy it can go 24 7 same people get tired and that's where a lot of americans are now they are fed up inflation is a big deal right the, the right. cost of the, the perception of the economy is a big deal the reality of the economy might be very different than the perception. But inflation is a big deal. Autocratic Republicans are a bigger deal I'm not willing. And I don't think most Americans are willing to trade freedom and liberty for cheap gas as if as if the federal government fixes gas prices.
0: Right. Uh, this is, and I think this is a good time to talk about that next issue, right? So, in that same way, we are also facing some actual violence. We're facing actual threats, physical threats. I mean, as you know, I mean, we're Lincoln Project veterans, so death threats are sort of kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of kind of our jam. Now, I get some, I get some amazing threats. Um, I get, you know, I'm always being, I'm always being threatened with the, the exposing the truth about me, and I'm not great. It's all <laughs> on the internet, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, so what we actually have, we we are actually seeing violence. I mean, I think you know, if you remember. Or I think we're both old enough, I may be older, uh, remember the violence of the 60s and the late mm-hmm. 60s when I was first born and then in the early 70s where we had assassinations. Now, here in Pat- you know over there in Wisconsin, we had a really what I would call a terrifying story of a, a former judge, circuit judge, John Romer, who was found hogtied and murdered in his home uh, oh. and the killer was found there with a self-afflicted wound, right? Um, he's a militia member he had, and he had a list, right? And on that list was other political targets to include Governor Gretchen Winover, who's already faced violence, uh, threats, and then even Mitch McConnell's that list. I mean, do you think we're entering in a very, I mean, it feels like we're entering in a very dangerous time.
1: I, I do, and I remember back. I'm gonna. Um, it was July of 2020. Uh, it was one of the first times we met on Zoom. We did a call, you and I and some other, a whole bunch of others, yeah. uh, NATSEC uh, retirees. Uh, yes. we, got on the, we were on a call with some uh, election officials uh, from around the country who were in charge of hardening the election. And we were trying to kind of raise the alarm about however prepared you think you are for the possibility of violence and disruption in the election. Uh, you're not prepared enough. You're not alarmed enough about the threat. And what we said on that call is how the 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 incidents of violence are growing. The the rhetoric, the violent rhetoric, the insightful rhetoric is growing. And after January sixth, um, I remember other conversations where we said violence is going to become. More commonplace in the 2022 and 2024 election almost normalized where we're going to have to start to expect that people are going to show up with guns at polling places where they're going to walk into government offices uh, and threaten uh, hope God forbid you know take some kind of violent action, but I think it's only a matter of time when the rhetoric is is so insightful uh, from so many different people. Um, you know Michigan, are you listening? Get the governor uh, you know what Trump was mm-hmm. saying that they did mm-hmm. the crazies they 're radicalized no differently than than you know young men in the middle East were with isis they're they 're radicalized right. in the same exact way yet somehow we think about it differently. We think about this as a as a episodic criminal. Uh, kind of issue to deal with rather than a macro uh, national security threat that right. the, um, the, the domestic terrorism that is fomented by one political party right now uh, on right. a massive scale. Uh, they, 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 Not all Republicans are engaging or would ever be comfortable with political violence. Uh, right. But none of them or very few of them are comfortable or willing to call it out or do they're they're more than comfortable to uh to to assume or take or uh grab the power that the people who are willing to do and commit the acts of violence uh would would lead them to they're they're willing to be in this kind of tacit alliance with these people right and and that's, it, it, it might sound hyperbolic to some, but but it's true. You're not, right. he, you don't hear the denunciation of these people, of these groups. Uh, you get people in, you know, in Michigan, the Senate majority, everybody remembers, I think, the, the images across the country and across the world back when COVID first started in 2020. All these Duck dynasty-looking guys taking over the Michigan Capitol while the right. legislature was in session, standing in the Capitol with their rifles. Hank kind of dangling over from the gallery above the Senate and the House, um, you know, not pointed at anybody, but they, they kind of took there was no there was, believe it or not, no law, no regulation against carrying right. firearms in the Michigan Capitol. Ooh. But what the, the the Michigan Senate Majority Leader met with those folks afterward and gave them advice about how to do you know how to how to do their their kind of uh, protests like that better the next time you take the capitol with guns here's what you should do to get better attention he was he was effectively their pr consultant and that's the kind of cozy relationship that that uh, the republican party has with these extremist radicalized kooks there really is no difference between them anymore they're just a they're a they're an important part of the Republican coalition.
0: Right. And I think that's that, that gets to it right there, doesn't it? I think what we're seeing is there's a fear that that is their base, that we have to accept that um, a party has allowed this to become a part of their base, and they're afraid of that, you know, much much as they did before that, evangelicals and the social conservatives, but it's much it's much different now. And, and that, that changes the game quite a bit for us. And it changes the dynamic. I mean, how do you get people to run for office uh, and to put theirself out there or even participate like we do as just advocates um, when you do face literal threats to your not just your your well-being but your actual lives
1: yeah it's it's uh there's there's this delusion this naive fantasy that still exists in the minds of many not just Republicans mm-hmm. um, that uh, but a lot of people on the on the the democratic side or the pro-democracy side still don't recognize how serious and dangerous and existential the threat is. Mm-hmm. They've they've convinced themselves that this is uh, uh, either a a passing phase, you know, like when you know, like, like the terrible twos, you know, they're going to grow right. out of it by the time the, the Republicans are going to grow out of this after a little while. You know, right. Fox is going to lose its ratings, and then everybody's going to be normal again. Like somehow that happens by magic, right? Um, right. They they're, they think that that somehow like the normal the, the the pre-Trump Republicans or the pre-Tea Party Republicans uh, are going to somehow you know, I don't know. Magically come back from wherever they've gone to, uh, and and that normalcy will will happen again. That somehow, there, this this will this will write itself, and they're they're not recognizing how 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 absolutely uh, the the body snatchers have have manifested and taken over the the host. Uh, that mm. that there is that there is a uh the 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 cancer has 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 metastasized to every cell of the of the republican body right. uh and those that aren't directly infected and malignant uh it's just a matter of time before they wither and die or are corrupted by the other cells and that's, forced, that, Yeah, that, forced out there there there's i mean, but i've had arguments with with people who talk about oh it's so I'm so sad to see that Roy Blunt retired is retiring in Missouri because he's one of the good Republicans who really gets it. Well, what the fuck did he ever do to stop any of this, to speak right. out about this? You know, right. I don't care if he can collaborate with the Democrats on rural broadband policy um, if democracy is gone. I don't care about that happy horseshit about playing congressional baseball games, the Republicans versus the Democrats, pretending that this is all kind of normal. And, you know, you know, it's it's like they think it's like that old cartoon with the wolf and the sheepdog. uh, But, you know, one side is really trying to, you know, it's like the 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 cheetah is going to eat your face off party. We voted for the cheetahs going to eat your face off party. And then they're surprised when the cheetahs really try to eat their face off. Uh, That's what's going on here.
0: Do you think there's a you know as we were talking? I, do, do you think there's a generational divide here? I mean, you do see. I, I hate to be the guy that, you know we, we do see our more senior. You know, we got some seniors, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, folks are their eighties. Not, not, not yet. You know, I mean, not you and me, but the, we got know, new within hips. Our, new within knee our knees Congress, hip, right? I do have new. Yeah, you got a new hip. <laughs> I got new knees. Um, but within the Congress, we have we have people in the eighties. Okay, we have we have leaders who were in their seventies and eighties, and, and and they are from that bygone era of uh of uh, 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 you know coll- colloquialism or. Whatever. Everyone, you you know, the collegiality of a different era uh, to include Mr. Biden, Um, and and so uh, there's there's almost like this this wish, this dream that they have. Uh, because they had it, they were. It was that was the way. Well, we disagreed on the day, but we were. We always came together at night. Whereas you see, you do see the a younger generation, the Ruben Gallegos, uh, Ted Lutz, and 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 others mm-hmm. are like, no man, this this is it's this we this is not happening. We aren't working. And then, of course, on the other side, you've got the Boberts and the Greens and the and and, and little Maddie Cawthorn and the Gates, who are really willing to go at it in in a vicious way. Um, and, and throw throw all pretensions away of of collo- uh, collegiality. Um, do you think we're seeing a generational shift, and what does that mean? Do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I, I do. But the I've been largely a fan of Joe Biden and the Joe Biden White House because. Mm-hmm. One, because there's no alternative. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. two, I, I think that they're fundamentally decent in trying to do the right things. But I also think that through their first year and a half in office, they've been unequal to the task before them. And that, that's just from a failure to grasp the The threat, the enormity of the threat. And I do think part of that is is going back to that the, the, the habits learned over time when things were normal. The Democrats seem to insist on fighting. The Marquis of Queensberry rules where all, you know, everything is clean and above the waist while the Republicans are down, you know, just below the belt using their balls as a speed back. And the <laughs> Democrats are, are just they, they're just unwilling to fight back. And, you know, you get into that Michelle Obama bullshit about when they go low, we go high, but go lower, go right. where the fight is. You fight to win. You don't right. fight to say we fought the good fight. Doing right. it the right way. Do it the effective way. You fight with the tactic the, the the you know, this is a, a analogy we've used before about how the you know, the the republic or the Democrats are insisting on playing chess or checkers, whatever the rules of the game are. But the Republicans are just tipping over the board and eating the pieces. They don't give right. a shit. They're playing a different game and we have to play the game. That is before us, uh, not the one that we wish to play, not the one that we're that we know how to play. We have to play the game that that uh, is presented to us here. And if we yeah. don't get serious, it's not hyperbolic to say that the 2022 elections could make the 2024 elections a fait accompli. If Donald Trump had the people in place in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, and Georgia. That he could get after this election. If he had those people in place in 2020, there's no question that they, we would have faced a bigger crisis, uh, an actual, uh, Move to for him to stay in power and not vacate the White House just to, to certify false slates of electors that didn't win the election. That's what we're headed toward. And if if, if we get to 2024 uh, with uh, a Republican governor in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, uh, we are screwed. Well,
0: on that note, and and then on on, on the Senate side, of course, the the fights in the Senate these days and over and over in Pennsylvania, we've got the situation where, you know, Dr. Oz has now won the Republican Senate nomination with a whopping 31.4 percent of the vote, um, you know, with his endorsement from Trump. Um, But what's really interesting about the race and throws it up an end is, you know, John Fetterman, after barnstorming the state, I mean, he visited every county in Pennsylvania during his campaign, has a stroke right before the election, um, has now has now had a pacemaker in place and we just got word I think was it yesterday today from his wife that he may not join the campaign trail till July now I mean <sighs> yeah you know, it opens up a whole can of worms obviously um if he can't be campaigning what what are you seeing in Pennsylvania
1: yeah I mean well if Pennsylvania is what you're clearly one of the big shiny objects right. in the battle for the senate and um it, it really is uh a, a Kind of a, a great example of the the um, the power of Trump and the Trump the Trumpification of the Republican Party. Uh, even if McCormick had won, uh, which he you know came within a thousand votes of doing, he he would have done so by trying to be as Trumpy as he could be and still keep his billionaire friends happy. Right. right. Uh, but I think that rather than say that Oz only got 31.4%, look at the, the, the what, McCormick could only get 31.3%. Uh, that was the extent. That's the ceiling of the kind of the so called normal Chamber of Commerce Republican. Candidate today, right? That that more than two thirds of the voters voted for a crazy mega, either Oz or I can't even remember Barnett. Barnett. Barnett, yeah. Yep. Um, that's where the Republican Party is. It's not hmm. Glenn Youngkin. It's Barnett hmm. and Oz. Uh, the circumstances were completely different. Tim Miller has a great piece oh, about was, this. You, today. you, you, you beat me, me to it. it. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, <laughs> you
0: beat me to it. Yeah. The Youngkin, Youngkin strategy. How the Youngkin strategy. and he, and, and his key point was. That Yunkin got nominated in a in a uh, convention in Virginia. People forget that part. Right, that but people, they, 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 did not yeah. go through a nominee. He did not go through a primary.
1: Right, but the, you know Yunkin is the is kind of the, the the poster child for the way that Republicans delude themselves about what's really happening. They've they the, the success of Glenn Yunkin and him being. You know, coming from the normal world, but acting just Trumpy enough and putting on that vest and winning is a sign that ah, that's how Republic. That's that's our future. No, the future is Oz and Doug Mastriano and these uh, horse paste eating urine drinking Republicans uh, who are going to be Doug Mastriano in running for governor in Pennsylvania, winning that nomination, is going, is going to be the norm. The, the, uh, Doug Mastriano was going to win the Republican primary in Michigan and in Wisconsin and in Arizona. Right. And that's who the, the, the those people are going to be the face of the Republican Governors Association and of the Republican Party, no matter how much they're sitting in Washington with their pinkies up thinking that things are going to be normal. They're, they've got a bunch of loons. The the Republican party has become the pride lands after Simba leaves and scar and mm-hmm. hyenas take over, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the, 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 people in their ivory towers, the consulting class and the professional class of Republicans are still pretending otherwise, or yeah. they're just cashing in while they can. Right. I mean, that's, and that's the key, right? They, they're, they're fighting, you know, Jeff Rowe of course was,
0: uh, was, was, a big part of it, Jeff Roe had Youngkin, Jeff Rowe had, um, if those don't know who Jeff Roe is, Jeff Roe is a Republican strategist who is notorious. I mean, he's truly notorious. I, I'm from he's Missouri. The, he's the he,
1: it boy he, these last few cycles. Yeah, and, and, and Jeff, champion, right. yeah, he Fun is. You know, guy.
0: He cut his teeth here in Missouri. He's he's sort yep. of infamous in Missouri because in a campaign at the state level, I believe with Secretary of State, the, uh, the one of the opponent, the opponent commits suicide. The opponent, he, his campaign, running campaign ads, he was, he was tied to the actual opponent actually committing suicide so he's he's got a bit of a, a notorious history he was Ted Cruz's strategist and now he's he's really the it guy right now he had like Yunkin, he had uh, he had McCormick he has here in Missouri he has Eric Schmidt um he's really his 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 company Axiom Strategies is everywhere um and it and there is or what, but but and they're riding high i mean they are they he's he's grown from four people to 30 i think it's just unbelievable how Successful they're doing in, in navigating this. And, and what I think interesting too, Jeff, along those lines is, I mean, here in, like in Missouri, I mean, there's, there's freaking six people run for Senate. I mean, you're seeing a breakdown of the discipline. Even in Marjorie Tara Greene's district, she had six opponents in the Republican Party. And you know, there was a time when the Republican Party, I think when you were, you know, executive director in Missouri, know, there was maybe one or two, I mean, they controlled, the party controlled these, these primaries and who got in and who didn't. It really isn't that way anymore,
1: is it? It, it it's not um the th- there's a tremendous amount of cannibalism on right. the Republicans. there's so much there's so much attention paid to the fight between Democrats and Republicans and owning the libs. You know, that's what the Republicans seem to live for. Right. But Republicans they they feast just as much they they hunger just as much for the fight itself and they fight themselves as viciously and as gleefully as they fight the democrats they mm-hmm. they they kind of the they, they operate in a uh uh survival of the fittest like the movie Highlander there can be only one there's no sh- there's no there's no room for marjorie taylor green and others in the congressional limelight there can be only one you know that's lauren boebert and marjorie taylor green are fighting for the same turf and they one can't win if the other survives that's the way they look at it right, it's kind of, right. you know bad analogies here it's harry potter and voldemort you know one one has to that's how they look at not only democrats but their opponents within their own party um anybody who's not them is a threat uh and, and they they the they they live for the they seem to live for the controversy for the fight for the the chaos uh they they feed on the darkness and that's Really, th- these people are not fringe in the party. Uh, no matter how much uh, some in the media, in the in the donor class and consulting class, like to pretend, they are the mainstream of the Republican parties. The the Mitt Romneys uh, are the fringe lunatics in the Republican party. They they're the ones who are completely unrepresentative unrepresentative of anybody else in the party. Um, Anybody who stands up for normalcy, for the rule of law, not, and I'm not talking about behavior uh, when I say normalcy, like, Oh, it's not about, you know, it's mean tweets. No, it's not about mean tweets and, and, and civility Uh, that that's part of it, but that's not the, the the core of the, of the issue. These people live to create chaos and anybody who, who doesn't uh, look to destroy, to oppose to uh, combat is is uh, a, a rhino is uh, weak is going to be trampled and chewed on by the hyena pack
0: yeah and and then circling back to what we talked about in our last segment about you know, the, you know the, the fight right and the fight you know I'm an old soldier so you know we talk about quite a bit you know you may not get a vote in the way people talk about the culture wars that's 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 the that's the, 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 the pink in the air term for these kind of issues right. Um, but i i know war i i was i was in desert storm i did three iraq tours i, I invaded iraq twice unfortunately <laughs> And, and I spent most of my, I was a planner in the army. That was my job. So I spent, when I wasn't actually in war, my job was to actually write plans to be prepared for war. Um, and, and the one thing I definitely learned is, you know, you may not get a vote with war you choose, right? The, the, the enemy right. gets the vote. And, and in this case, for reasons I can't explain, it seems it does feel like the Democrats choose to not fight these battles with these, these lunars and, and, you know, try to ignore it or fight it on their turf. I think that's the mistake. It's one of the things I'm learning on one of my camp, or campaigns right now is they do, they go for the outrageous, so we we're constantly chasing them and, instead of going mm-hmm. offensive. So I do agree. I know one of the things I've been urging is I, I said, well, Democrats, you, you don't, you can't just sit out of war. It, it's occurring, right? <laughs> you, you've gotta, but you've gotta fight on your own terms. You have to go on the offensive, decide what your, your points are going to be and all. And it just feels like too much, too often lately, and it does lead as a segue. I know it's discussed in the January 6th hearings, but it just feels like mm-hmm. too much of the Democratic party, especially they just aren't, coordinate, they're not putting together their forces and they're not putting coalitions to go on the offensive. They just think if they ignore the war, kind of like on Twitter where people always tell us, well don't 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 share Margie Terra Green's video. You're right. helping her.
1: Like you're helping amplify okay, well. Yeah.
0: Know. It's like, no, ignoring him is actually helping them because there's an entire right. other there's an entire other communications ecosphere that's occurring. It was like Youngkin Youngkin mm-hmm. in Virginia, remember Jeff he would say one thing on normal TV and a right. different thing on Bannon, right? right. <laughs> you know? And 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 by by ignoring that, we are missing um, what's occurring. There's a guerrilla war going on, and we're sitting it out. I mean, is that? I think you, I think you probably urge similar things to your to- folks you talk to.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm I'm hopeful that these January 6th committee hearings will be something other than what I fear they will be. Right, uh, and I, I I have zero confidence in. A congressional committee being able to pull off the 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 kind of programmed, uh, scripted theater that is needed to captivate and change public attitudes and perceptions. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's what I fear. That they've they've waited so long, and the stakes are so high that they have no ability. To, And and they don't—they're not programmed; uh, they're just not equipped to dealing with the enormity of the issue. And and I think there are people involved who clearly get it—you know, like a Liz Cheney gets it. But but I I just I I just really fear that still the Democrats are in control of this process, and I think their hearts. Are in the right place. I think their minds are in the right place. I just don't think their skill set is in the right place, and I, I I fear that they're that they still, by and large, do not recognize the the enormity of the threat. If if Donald Trump and all of those people who were involved in the criminal conspiracy. Uh, up to the November 2020 election and since the November 2020 election are not held to account, then we have no accountability and we have no real rule of law in this country any longer. And we did not have any idea how fragile the whole foundation of our democracy was. If one party, one faction, one major faction just decided, hey, we're not going to participate any longer in that. Right. That was all it took for everything to come, just come to a grinding, screeching halt. And we, we, we are, uh, we've become kind of victims to this narrative of, uh, well, midterm elections go against the party in power in the White House. Historically true, right? But the Democrats seem to be doing nothing to recognize and try to change that. That's the, that's the thing. They just seem just like, all right, that's, that's our fate. Right. Um, well, okay. Declare, declaring defeat before
0: the battles join.
1: Democracy is under attack, and we either fight back or we don't. And that's right. that's what I. They're fighting back in ways, and they're, they 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 want to, but they just aren't collectively capable or individually willing or, or capable of, of pulling it off. And so, like I, I said, I'm, I'm very hopeful that the January 6th committee hearings will produce those kind of bombshell galvanizing moments the way like John Dean testifying did in in uh, the Watergate hearings or something like that. But wow. I, I fear that we're so far beyond that, that it, it uh, that most people are going to tune out because we've we've allowed the narrative to be taken over by the the the, the losing side this is it's kind of like right. a civil war right the whole history of of america since the civil war has been has been largely written and dictated by the losing side by the confederates and the, the, right. the, the republicans lost in 2020 they are the distinct minority in this country the people who believe and think the way they do about um, not just policy issues. They're in a minority on most policy issues, but they're also in a minority when it comes to their attitudes and their belief in, in democracy and the rule of law. But they, they are able to out, they're, they're able to punch way above their weight because they're all punching together and everybody else kind of collectively just isn't up to the task. And that's what I, that's what I fear with this, that, that, that we're just beyond the ability. It's, people have tuned out. The, the whatever these January 6 hearings have through their partisan filters, or the filter right. that I, I said earlier that they're just so goddamn tired of all this constant politics and this who did yeah. what and what January 6, they're just tired of it. Even the it, the, the White House and the Democrats, on down from the White House to it. every local municipality in office, have failed to make the. The, the attack, the, the, the attempted overthrow of the government by the government, by the president and his his party have failed to make that an organizing principle uh, in, in this country. And instead, we're fighting on gas prices. Uh, and th- that's on them, not us. Uh, not, that's on 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 us, not right. them. They're 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 playing the game that they always play. Republicans win races that they're not supposed to win because they can always count on Democrats to be Democrats, and that's respond. <laughs> they can be. Yeah. They're they're, they're going to play the game. Uh, that the Republicans expect them to play. And so far, the Democrats are doing everything uh, according to script that the Republicans set. The Republicans are on offense. The Democrats are always on defense. And that is how how—that's how I learned to run campaigns in the Republican Party over 30 years. Uh, we could always right. count on the Democrats to be Democrats. And I'm watching the Democrats be Democrats. And I'm admonishing the Democrats <laughs> as privately and publicly. Stop being Democrats. Act like Republicans. Listen to us. Listen to me. Bring us in. Uh, uh before it's too late uh, you know I'm not just looking to make money I want to save democracy <laughs> so right. this is, this isn't a, this isn't a, I'm not looking for clients I'm looking for I'm looking to offer and and, and there's a whole lot of us uh who who are will, willing and able to uh, roll up our sleeves and get be in this fight we're in this fight for democracy but these campaigns need to listen to us uh, before it's too late
0: yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I think you know getting it, and that's that coordinated campaign, right? That what the what the Republicans have always been very good at is using a coordinated communication and a messaging system to make sure everyone's in the same sheet of music. You see it demonstrated so quickly, so often, right? Where I've been telling a lot of people I talk to with the row the row leak. Within hours, I think the first guy to come out within about six hours was, was Mike Huckabee on Fox saying, well, the real issue here is this outrageous leak. It's the yep. leak. And then within hours, every, every pundit on TV was saying, oh, it's, this outrageous leak undermines institutions. McConnell was saying, look, we don't know what's in the thing, but you know, this leak. It's, it's, they're very, very good at getting their, getting their messaging straight, distributing that message to multiple outlets and, and multiple surrogates and having that message pounded and pounded and pounded and then moving back. They're already on message like, oh, it's the inflation. We gotta go back to inflation. And so you're constantly, I think I say it a lot, uh, if, if people follow me, I say, you know, the three D's, right? Uh, deceive, divert, <laughs> divide, right? And, nope. and, and, and that's nope. what they do. They, you know, deceive us about what's going on, you know, divert our attention. Oh, look, it's, it's the leak. Oh, oh, look, it's inflation. Uh, um, uh, and then you know, then divide us. Oh, they don't care about your problems. They don't care about your inflation. You know, they're worried about this or other. So it's it's and and again, you're, the Democrats do tend to keep playing defense. They don't they don't step up the fight. They still refuse to come up with a coordinated messaging campaign uh, and, and system. Um, they refuse to use you know, voices that could be surrogates for them, if you will, um, unlike the unlike their opponents. And so their opponents have a much more strategic advantage. Again, it's it's about. Again, back to my analogies of war. I'm sure my listeners are sick mm-hmm. of it, but but it is. You, you build your allies. You, you you get your allies all want you to music, and you march. That's what we did in World War II, right? We we built right. a coalition, an international coalition, and then we invaded France, June 6, 1944, so eight years ago yesterday, and we did it as a team. And 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 that's what works. And we we figured out our differences afterwards, but we won the battle first. And I just worry um, on a daily basis that for reasons I can't explain, the Democratic side refuses to get that. Coordinated and get their stuff together, and they continue to be out message. And unfortunately, in politics out messaging means out voted, out out policies, and it's like the first thing I would tell the story often uh, of when I first joined Lincoln Project. That, one of those first calls, uh, and I asked what were our veterans' policies. And, uh, Wilson, I think it was Rick Wilson said, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't do policies. We do winning and losing. <laughs> because, because right. your, your pretty policies mean nothing if you lose. So like, oh, that's a really good point. Right. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's your, yeah. your first lesson in Republican politics, right? <laughs> you know, he's right, it's, right. It's right, right? It's like, you gotta win the election and win the election. You gotta do what you gotta do to win. And, uh, unfortunately, I think some too often our colleagues on the Democratic side are more interested in their pretty policies and losing with valor than actually winning the battle.
1: Well, yeah, and I see this the, all these news reports that the Republicans have been actively planning their counter programming to the january sixth hearings they 've got all their allies and and surrogates ready to flood the zone with with media uh, with with uh, you know this with the talking points and whatever the Democrats and the Liz Cheneys have programmed and prepared. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm far more confident just based on my, you know, the history and and the the proven success of the Republicans to pull off this kind of strategy versus the 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 um the January 6th committee and the Democrats to pull this off because they never they they really never have and so I I hope I pray uh, that that they prove me wrong that the 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 facts. And the way they're presented are so powerful and so damning that it can change things. Um, but when it comes to the tactics of th- this battle that we are in, I know the expert uh, tactical abilities of the opponents. And I fear them uh, because yeah. they've demonstrated for decades in elections in states all across the country in major issue battles and judicial battles whatever it is the republicans the right the conservatives are better at, at, at these the the, the uh, winning these battles uh and punching above their weight winning campaigns and in, in, in times when when the math is against them there are their history uh, uh, our political history uh, especially you know in post-world war ii is full of examples, national and and state examples of Republicans winning races they had no business winning in very, very few instances of Democrats doing the same thing. Democrats seem to only win races they're supposed to win and win campaigns they're supposed to win. And they have decided that the narrative that this election is going to be you know, lost is well. You know, it's kind of beyond under control, and they're they're fighting the same old bad. They're fighting the last war, not the next war. Well,
0: I'm not doing it. Uh, before we get on, uh, Jason, I've been waiting for a while, so probably we only have time for just one question. But we'll, I'll let you in. Um, but on, on that note, the special committee will have their public hearings um, after 11 months and a thousand interviews. Uh, will be uh, on Thursday, June 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern and of course, Seven central and then the second one is scheduled now for monday june 13th at 10 a.m eastern so uh they don't have schedule for the rest of them yet but their their talk is that maybe is eight through june uh with a final hearing in september which is of course right before the the midterm elections but we shall see i know fox has already said they're not going to show any of it so it's um we've already got a position where a major news outlet uh, that caters to the conservative audience has already said they're not participating so it's it's an uphill battle, uh, uh, Jason. I'm not even waiting. I'm gonna Jeff. We'll just take one speaker, Jason. Wait, okay. and, and Jason, if you want to have this question, I appreciate if you. Uh, I'll let you in here, and you just have to unmute yourself. Uh, just unmute your button right there, and Jason, uh, happy to, to to entertain your question.
1: Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, I got a lot out of what you're talking about. Uh, all these existential threats to democracy. You know. Yeah. I think one thing that I didn't hear you talk about is like the attacks on the free press that we've been seeing mm-hmm. for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And one thing, one thing that personally I'm concerned about is this: uh, the prosecution of uh, Julian Assange. Okay. I was just wondering what you think about that.
0: I, you know, I, I've, I, I have mixed feelings, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the definition of press, right, is what it comes down to. I mean, and and, and where Assange finds himself. Um, I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't even know where it is right now, Jason, to be very candid with you. Um, I do see a movement where um, what is defined as press and what is treated as press has greatly morphed in the last 10 years. And, and I believe Assange and his, his organization was a big part of that. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I've had mixed feelings for a long time because I'm also an old, an old soldier, right? So some of the things that were leaked by some of the folks that, that went to uh, to the WikiLeaks um, made my life very uncomfortable <laughs> I was a I was a spokesman for the the military when a lot of those things came out on WikiLeaks when when uh, when 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 Chelsea Manning leaked her stuff I was actually in the military so but it is it is weird right we, we've gone through two different two but really three administrations right as Assange has navigated his his situation overseas and on um, part of me thinks like maybe it's just time for him to face it and I mean it, in a lot of ways it, if, if history's any judge at this point he's gonna come Come and, he, and not much will happen. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's almost the avoidance of his prosecution is keeping it a prolonged as much as anything else. Well, but I do we, think you're right.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think one issue with that is that he's being prosecuted under the Espionage Act. Right. 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 And he won't be able to make a case really in the court.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's a challenge. And it's interesting. I mean, I do find it fascinating that here we are a year and a half into uh, another administration and and we still face the same facts that haven't changed, which is, which by the way is the case in a lot of issues, right? Jason, a lot of things have not changed or have changed or we, we expected sudden change and those sudden changes have occurred, but, um, I, I'll give you this. I I'll I look into it more and see and, and have a better answer for you next time we discuss, because I do think that, you know, we, we do face a moment on the press. We do face a moment of what is defined as press. And we do face a moment where the partisan divide has led us to a point where the institution that was our first amendment, you know, media, which was a, the fourth estate as you used to call it um, has, has not been prepared for this moment. And the institutions that govern that, Fourth Estate are also not prepared for this moment, right? I think both sides. Today, there was a New York Times headline that they framed the entire January six hearings around. If it's going to be good for the Democrats, Democrats' midterm objectives. Well, a lot of us feel like the most important thing is our democracy. That that, that having a, you know, and the same thing with your situation with Mr. Assange's situation. You know the, the real issue is larger than that. Everything is a horse race these days, but. That's a great question. I don't have an answer, Jeff. I don't know if you have anything to add. Well, not
1: not particular, not not in particular about Assange, but the the uh, the the attack, the coordinated and sustained attack on media and information and truth is really at the core of the strategy uh, of the illiberal forces that have taken over the the conservative. Republican party the center right in this country mm-hmm. um, I know I know Fred that you've uh, uh, talked with Ruth Ben Gate before and, and uh, uh, she wrote a great book about this that really boils it down there's, there's a whole chapter on the, the the fomenting the distrust of the media and making the media the enemy that is part of the autocratic playbook and right. it is it's being fo- it's it's been a long sustained effort politicians military every people in public Positions have always thought that the the the, the media is the the, the uh, um, l- largely the enemy that has to be be combated. You know, they're they're the yeah. ones trying to expose your actions, right? They're the yeah. they're, But uh, it's it's taken on it, it's it's really become weaponized to the point where now with the advent of of uh, so the proliferation of news sources and o- online news, where you can now just get information uh from sources that like that are pleasing to your ear you know okay yeah. like you like country music and i don't uh so i listen to a country station and you don't or whatever it, it, that that we were able to change our news and, and information and get our quote-unquote truth from different uh sources where we're not dealing with the same set of facts and realities any longer and that's why we are part of a large part of why we are where we are because we have Uh, two different americas where people believe and see two different sets of facts it's not that we just have differences of opinions of political uh policy positions of ideology we just we're living in alternate parallel realities and and it's it's really it's really true uh if you sit and talk to somebody who's way down who's gone beyond the fox news uh, they're on the oann rabbit hole they see a whole different reality. I mean, it's like it, one of us is on acid. Uh, and I don't think it's me. Um, it's the, it's the OANN guy I talked to, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. There you go. <laughs> Thanks Jason. I really
0: appreciate it. Man. <laughs> um, and, uh, we'll go and see, take, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I think i boot you out. So I think Jeff, I know if it gets a hard stop for you. Um, North, I wasn't able to get your question. I apologize. Uh, we will get you next time. Um, I know we have a, yeah, we do have a hard stop, Jeff. So I really appreciate you joining us today, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we didn't really talk. We had a lot of talk here. Um, it's been great. So I know you guys your own podcast, Jeff. Where can we find that? Find <laughs> you online.
1: wherever you get podcasts, wherever you're listening, subscribe. Uh, it's called a Republic. If you can keep it, uh, I co-host with the longtime chairman of the Michigan democratic party. Uh, you know, we came together as, as former opponents who are now in the fight together to save democracy. And, uh, we have guests, uh, we, we, we focus a lot on what's going on in politics in Michigan, but also nationally. And we have guests of, of, uh, state and local prominence, uh, every week that we talk to. So, uh, no, thanks for thanks for the plug.
0: Love it. And online at Jeff Timmer, right?
1: Uh at Jeff Timmer on Twitter. Um, you know, I I'm I'm not safe for work, but uh I'll nope. I'll I'll tell it like I see it and uh you know maybe yes, make you, you laugh do. along the way.
0: Many the F bombs. <laughs> well I appreciate that. <laughs> because that's where we have that in common. We've always had that in common. <laughs> Uh, as a, men, Fred, <laughs> here you go <laughs> I, I, I always get counseled by someone named Schmidt about it as always you can find me on Twitter at FP Wellman I'm I'm FP Wellman everywhere on Facebook uh, Frederick, B. and all that stuff I've got a newsletter called FP wellman a filter and a review I'd love you to, to check it out
1: great uh, I, read I, I, by the way it's, it's just just a great you. read it, it really it. is and that
0: barely works. has anything to do with politics but it's about <laughs> it that's my newsletter so uh, this great. podcast course is available right here on Colin and then we'll publish on Apple and Spotify so we'd love you to join there too. And maybe you download or tell your friends about it. We'd love reviews there. Tell your friends about the show. If you like the show, we are getting up and running. This is our fifth episode officially, and we'll be doing it more regularly as we go forward. So I hope you tell your friends and you subscribe to the show if you're not already subscribed. Thanks for joining this episode of On Democracy, and uh, we'll return again on probably Friday, and we'll take some questions. With that, thank you for joining us. Jeff, have a great day. Good luck the rest of your day. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. We really appreciate you. Everybody have a great day, and we're out.